Well, it's a privilege to uh, meet, uh, really for the first time, a gentleman from Houston, Texas, and his name, I, I hope I get it right here, uh, Ganesh Ben Kataramanan, also known as Jeeves. And uh, he lives in Texas, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about him in just a second, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Our pleasure. Let me tell you a little bit more about Ganesh. Uh, he's vice president of pre-sales for global accounts at Aviva, which is an international information technology consulting company based, uh, well, it's actually, I think, based in, in England, but it's got branches all over and he's in Texas. Uh, GVs leads a team of high-performing professionals who deliver innovative solutions to the world's leading industrial and engineering companies. Got 20 years of experience in the simulation and training domain. He has a proven track record of growing internal businesses from less than a million to over $50 million by helping them to build talented teams and systems that enable rapid execution. Uh, Ganesh is also the author of a fictional book. We're already talking about that, and it's entitled Let Me Into Heaven. There's an interesting title. That explores the journey, it's again, it's fictional, but the journey of three computer scientists chasing the truth. So with uh, Ganesh's background in science and experience in working in highly analytical teams, he has found that scientific explanations, while fine in themselves, lacked depth and human meaning. So in his attempts to better understand life, guess what? He stumbled across religion and specifically Jesus. So that is exciting. We got to hear more about that. So welcome again to the podcast. Thank thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. So uh, again, you're married. You got two kids. And uh, one's in college, one's in 11th grade or going into 11th grade. So you you were not raised in a Christian home. You're raised in India. Is that true? That is correct. That is correct. So I was raised in India. I uh, grew up in a Hindu family. Wow. Uh, and when I went to college, I, uh, like many people, I became an atheist. Um, and uh, always had this interest uh, and questions about the meaning of life and you know what is really my purpose. There must be something deeper to life than studying thermodynamics. Uh, yet again, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, but never, never really had heard of Jesus in India. That, I mean, there's lots of churches, of course, but uh, I assume that was for someone else. Never really looked at that uh, too closely at that point in time. Uh, I came here to the U.S. and uh, met some people who uh I looked at and said, they are really smart. Uh, one of them was a professor at Yale. And uh, and I remember uh, hearing that, you know, he, he's a brilliant professor, one of the top in his field, uh, and, and he's a Christian, as wow. it was put to me. And I'm wondering, what is the intersection point between being a Christian and being a professor? Sure. Uh, because it didn't make any sense to me, you know. <laughs> uh, and then, but I just filed it away at the back of my mind. Uh, then I met some people who are entrepreneurs. Some of them are actually from Grand Rapids, as it really, happens. Really, from Grand Rapids? No kidding. Yes. That's yeah. wonderful. And so that was my Grand Rapids connection there. And uh, who were 
very successful. And then uh, again, heard they were Christians and that intrigued me. Uh, intrigued me enough to start looking at the uh, the Bible a little bit more. Not not too much. I was not a Christian yet. Uh, somebody handed me a book by Lee Strobel. Sure. Uh, who's also a lawyer, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and and I, as I started looking at that evidence, I said, this is surprisingly strong evidence. There, there's some really good stuff in here. Now, in one of Lee's books, he refers to a uh, uh, ad in the New York Times, which about 100 scientists had taken out saying, we are skeptical of Darwinism. So I'm looking at it and he had the name of the top four or five. And one of them was the very scientist, very professor that I had met at Yale wow. years ago. And it's like, ah, enough for me to go read the book, you know, and, and study it. And I said, this is uh, a very different way of thinking about God, not just some a God that we created, but a God who created us. Yes, right? yes. Um, so that started off a journey for me and I, where I started asking some hard questions and saying, I, I want to chase answers. I just don't want pat answers. I don't want a set of rituals. I've already done that, you yes. know, growing yes. up and, sure. and I want something where I can ask questions. And if it's like science and can be tested uh, by the scientific method, uh, that's incredible. You know, I, I mean, we're bridging things that I understand and uh, I love that. Um, so that started off my journey. Good. So how long was the journey before you gave your life to Christ? Four years. Four years. Wow. Yeah. What yeah. was the point? Talk to us about the point where you made the decision going from basically death to life, to accepting Christ yeah. into your heart and uh, trusting him uh, for salvation and, and to be the Lord of your life. Yeah. How did that happen? Describe that point. So, so I'm still trying to understand uh, Christianity. You know, being an engineer and a scientist at heart, you've got to understand every bit of it, right? Sure. So I'm still trying to understand it, going to churches, trying to say, what, are, what do they mean? What are they even talking about, you know? And one particular uh, Sunday, uh, I'm sitting there at the church with my wife next to me. Uh, we'd been married for three months. And uh, for some reason, I get the sense that if I don't walk up today to accept Christ, I never will step forward to accept Christ. I just keep asking questions and I'll get stuck in this paralysis of analysis. <laughs> and uh, so I said, no, I have to get up today. And I was the last one to go out that morning to say I accept Christ right before they shut off the altar call, you know. Uh, dragged my wife and uh, we went, I went up there to accept Christ. So was that a church you had been attending for a, a period of time? Uh, I think we just had tried different things out and nothing we had gotten into or nobody we knew in any of those places. Okay. Uh, to some extent, we were closet seekers, I think. Okay. You know? sure, sure. Yeah. Wow. But they had an altar call and you went forward. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Yeah. Did did you have emotional change when you made the decision or was it just that you knew it was the right thing to do and it, you didn't feel a lot different or did what was the what was how how did you relax react to making that decision? 
Yeah. So I knew it was the right thing to do undoubtedly, right? Yes. Yes. I, I didn't know enough theology at that point to say the Holy Spirit was working in my life and yes. prompting me, right? I didn't know that much, all those things, right? Okay. Yep. I didn't know what to expect, right? Because I had never known anyone who sure. was, uh, who had become a Christian, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so uh, I didn't know if, you know, there would be lightning from the heavens. I would get some revelation. Sure. I would get caught up in the third heaven or, I mean, I had no concept of how to act, sure. right? Right. Uh, but I did sense that I had to take a step of faith. Yep. I, it it was beyond the mind and the questioning at some point. And there was always a question I could ask that uh, neither anyone else could answer nor I could answer. Yeah. Uh, but there was a step of faith and I had enough evidence to know that this was the right direction. Yeah, that's really good. So it, that was how many years ago then? Probably. That was two, 2001. Okay. So 22 approximately years ago. And have you been growing in your faith since then? Yeah. And, you know, I, I was telling someone who asked me that uh, a couple of years ago, it is not that on a monthly basis, I could say something was different. But if I look back at the, look, at the end of five years and 10 years and 15 years, I say everything has changed. Wow. Right. Yeah. Did and you... so it's, I, I mean, it's not that I lost my ambition. Or I wasn't hungry, but the why I was hungry changed. What I wanted to do changed. And, and it had to do with a different purpose yes. and a, a different meaning, right? And a different relationship than where it started off. To be. Oh, that is, that is such a great story. Did your wife come to faith as well? Um, she had a separate interesting story. She grew up in a Catholic family. Okay. Yep. And in Malaysia, she's Malaysian Chinese. Uh-huh. And uh, she, when she came over here, and she uh, she went to school at Texas Tech, which is where I went to school for my master's as well. Okay. Uh, she joined Baptist Student Ministries, so you know none of them knew enough theology to know can a Catholic go to Baptist Student Ministries. So just to be careful, they baptized her again. So you know. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. So, are, you're you're a, you're a scientist, engineer. You're in that scientific area. It's an amazing story. Is that typically what scientists do, or are scientists more on the atheistic or agnostic side of things, or is, is there a, is there a pattern of any kind with with scientists in general, or people in science and engineering? What would you say? Right. In general, I would say uh, they tend to be on the atheistic side. Yeah. I think it's a, it's probably more because we're trained to think analytically and so on, but we're not trained to ask questions which uh, pertain to God and theology. Mm -hmm. So most people just don't ask the questions, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they chase their careers, you know, they want to make more money, you know, whatever that, that process is. Sure. Um, but I think there are certain branches of science which are particularly prone to um, looking at God and understanding God. Uh, and I would say maybe astrophysics is one of them, mm. uh, primarily because if you study cosmology and so on, there is a, you almost see uh, time backwards, right? I, I mean, the light from the sun is a few minutes ago and the light That's from right. the next star is four years ago, perhaps, right? That's right. So they're looking at the history backwards mm. and, and there is a lot, the evidence for a beginning of the universe is pretty strong, yes, you know? It is. 
And uh, of course, the Bible comes out and says it right up there in the first few words in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's right. right. <laughs> and uh, so when they look at the evidence, they look at the fine tuning for it. I found it to be very persuasive. Uh, when you look at the, uh, the fact that time actually had a beginning, mm-hmm. uh, then says, you know, here's a little bang. What caused the little bang? Well, it was me slapping the table. Uh, but if I told you there was no explanation for the little bang, it just happened, or quantum mechanics caused it, you wouldn't, you know, it's like, that's not an explanation. Not an explanation at all. Yeah. So then what then is the explanation for the big bang, right? That's right. And so uh, I found that very persuasive, as did a lot of people. In, yeah. And I think you'll find scientists in that area who, are, uh, who see mm-hmm. the evidence, you know, and are trained to actually look at that. Right. There, there was the uh, existential philosopher, Jean-Paul Sartre. I think he was French. He said, the big question is, why is there something yeah. and, not, and not nothing? Nothing, yes. I mean, yes. it had to come from somewhere. And, and just the, the, the concept that somehow randomness can produce order right. goes against the second law of thermodynamics. Absolutely. It's just the, you know, the entropy, the, the randomness of the universe is increasing, not decreasing. Right. I use the example every time we our family has moved a number of times. Mm-hmm. So I use the example, okay, sometime we're going to move and all those boxes are going to be all over my house, right? Right. I'm just going to sit in a chair and wait for everything to get put where it belongs. Right. If I wait a million years, will it get you know, it's just uh, crazy. Order yeah, exactly. Is- and, yeah. and and in fact, we don't even understand disorder. If I put a perfectly coiled rope uh, in my garage and come back a year later, somehow it's tangled itself. And you don't know yeah, how it yeah, tangles itself, right? right? Yeah. But it never untangles itself and comes back to being a nice. Yeah, that is well put. <laughs> yeah, I used to. We used to take hikes with our kids when we lived on some property north of here, and someone had built a little birdhouse in a tree in the middle of this woods. And so we'd walk past. I tell my kids, you know how that got there? Uh, it was just a big. It was a big stick, and it blew up into the tree. And then another stick blew up into the tree, and it all just shaped like. And my kids right. said, "Mad? No, no way, Dad." Right. I said, oh, right. "But you didn't know how it happened." But right. but right. where there's order, you just say someone, some intelligence was behind that. Right. And. Uh, that's why, you know, you talk about Lee Strobel. I mean, his books are great to talk about, you know, somebody that that came from being an agnostic or atheist to being a believer in Christ. And that's right. you know where you've come. And I interviewed uh, another guy a short time ago um, who similarly uh, made that change uh, from being an atheist to being a Christian. But it took him about three or four years, similar to you, because right. he was kind right. of into scientific stuff as well right. so i mean speaking of scientists to kind of go back to your earlier question sure. Randy, yes. yeah when einstein proposed the theory of relativity which yes. was to, to explain the universe to yes. his surprise it showed an expanding universe yeah and he didn't like the theological consequences of that so he fudged his parameters to make it a static universe Oh, okay. Uh, and this went on for about 10 to 12 years. 
uh, until the evidence to show that the uh, universe was expanding was just all over the place. Hubble used his telescope to show that the farther galaxies uh, had a red shift, so things were moving away, right? Yes. Kind of like the Doppler effect. Yeah. A and uh, so that's when the, he uh, Einstein realized it was an expanding universe, or so he accepted it and said, you know, this was the biggest mistake I made to uh, uh, try and fudge this, right? But, uh, you know, it's not just scientists today. Scientists are taught to look at natural phenomena mm -hmm. and what we are still, so they don't know how to study something which is not natural. We're not saying the universe naturally came out of nothing. We're saying someone supernaturally started it off and yeah. they don't know how to study that. You know? That's right. That's right. So your book, Let Me Into Heaven, it's, it's a fiction book. Correct. And it's about three computer scientists who are trying to discover the truth. Again, I don't want you to give away the plot or anything completely here, but um, tell us a little more about it. Yeah. So um, as uh, COVID started, uh, I'll take a step back. We talk about eternal life and eternity as, as the reward of uh, following Christ, yes. right? Yes. Eternal rewards. But yet, if you ask the average Christian, what is heaven like? Uh-huh. Right? The most likely answer you're going to get is it must be like a really long church service. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, so the thing is, I don't mind 20 minutes of singing, but if it's hours and days and weeks, and that's the big reward, Right. Uh, so I was reading a book actually called Heaven by Randy Alcon, where, where he talks about this. And it really got me intrigued right, to say, I wonder what heaven is like, right? Okay. Yeah. And then as I started getting deeper into the word, and I had read Revelation many times. Yes. And But then I was asking myself the question, I can't remember, is the rapture first? Is it the tribulation which is first? Is it the millennium which is first? What actually happens? I can't keep track of, you know, the yeah. sequence of things. Sure. Right? Yeah. So being an engineer, I said, I'm going to simplify this. I'm going to take notes once and for all, make notes for myself. So I know exactly what happens first. Right. Okay. Now, admittedly, there's multiple theories on how this is going to happen. And I wasn't trying to address all of them. I was just trying to say, I want the most uh, uh, logical explanation that I can come up with for this. Right. Yes. And then I started doing it. I realized I wasn't the only one who had these questions, mm. you know, is uh, mm. rapture before the millennium in the middle of the millennium or after the millennium, you know? Sure. So I said, okay, I, I now have all the notes. And I can write a book about this now. So I can I explain how it works, right? Mm -hmm. At least one way it works, in which it works. See, there may be other ways, you know, God can choose to make it work in so many different ways, you know. Sure. But at least one logical explanation of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so then I started to write the book and I said, you know, I'm not sure I want to make it a reference book. Mm -hmm. right for theology students sure. I, I wanted to make it something fun and interesting to read so as i put it as a conversation between three friends okay one of them is a christian the other two are not and so the the one who's a christian of course gets raptured at the rapture right right uh, well the other two are going to go through the tribulation okay so what does the tribulation look like through the eyes of someone who's in the tribulation? 
right? Yeah. Who's, who's not a Christian? How do they interpret those, uh, the, those facts as they come along, right? Mm-hmm. So I use Revelation as a basis to say how things unfold and then, but uh, put it out as a fictional story. Oh, great. Good. Sounds interesting. That's good. I've not read it yet, but it makes me want to look at it. So that'll be great. <laughs> I hope you do. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, so I think one of the reasons why both scientists and other people would just as soon believe in evolution and that there is no God out there, because if there is a God, we're accountable to that God. Right. He's, he's watching us and we have to submit to him and people don't right. want to do that. Right. But you did in your life. And I guess I'd ask the question, do you have any regrets that you gave your life to Christ and you're following him? I have no regrets. I mean, how could I have a regret, right? Yeah. I regret I didn't grow faster. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Um, because, um, and, and you know, I had my own special set of problems because I didn't grow up in a Christian family. So I had no concept of what, it, what you had to do, right? Uh, didn't get disciplined early on to understand uh, mm-hmm. value of prayer. Okay. Right? Yeah. Sure. I actually I actually struggled with prayer for some a, a totally different reason. Uh, sometimes I would ask people for uh, for help or hey, is there something you want to do? And they'd say, let me pray about it, right? And usually, what it meant was they didn't want to do anything, right? <laughs> so I saw it as an excuse oh. and, and and not as a relationship, right? Yeah. So it took me many years to realize, and, and being around Christians who grew in their faith to realize. That's the basis of my Christian life, right? Being able to have that conversation and have the Holy Spirit lead me on a, yes. a daily basis. Sometimes even the small things, right? Not not just the oh, giant things. Yes. Yeah. 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 I have a friend. Uh, he's now transported to heaven, uh, but he was head of the, the National Prayer Committee. Dave Butts is his name. And I asked him one time on a, on a podcast, I said, Dave, how would you define prayer? He said, prayer is the communication part of the most important love relationship that we have. Right. I love right. that. That's so it's beautiful. not just, yeah. give me, help me, give me, help me, give me, right. help me. Amen. Right. But it's a relationship. God speaks to us and we speak to him and he loves us so much. Right. And to be in his presence is, is really what prayer is to me. So yeah. I think it's John, maybe chapter 15, 5, where Jesus talks about, I am the wine and so on. Yes, yes. And, and then he says, in there, remain in me, right? Yeah. And if you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can do all things. Without me, you can fruit. do. You'll bear, yeah, you'll bear much, fruit. much fruit. But yeah. apart from me, you, you can, can do not. nothing. Yeah. That's right. And all he's saying is remain in me, right? He, he didn't say get a PhD in something. He didn't say you got to be super competent at anything. He said remain in me, right? That's, that's the place of joy and peace. The last verse of Psalm 16, you know, in his presence is fullness of joy. Right. That, that's that's the place. And again, I tend to be a workaholic, okay? I want to get the job done, get the job right. done. That's but God just keeps saying, Randy, come here. Let's do this together. Let me do it right. through you and in you. And so that's a daily thing I've got to do. That's my weak, one of my weak areas. So anyway. I hear, I hear you, you know, yeah. and I, because we are very, uh, 
um, program to perform. And, yes, we and, are. And, and we confuse competency sometimes with character, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm very good at this one thing I do, hence uh, God must be happy with me. It's, yeah, exactly. No, we don't have to perform for God to be happy with us. He's, he's, he's a father. He loves us in spite of all the warts. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> and and but he wants us to remain in him and walk with him on a daily basis. That right? is that is profound. Yeah. Well, well, Ganesh, anything uh, you'd like to add that I've not asked? Anything you want to say before we close? Uh, what I'd say is there's a lot of people from a scientific persuasion who find a big disconnect between science and religion. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, or, or I won't even use the word religion, but certainly faith in Jesus, because that's specifically the only thing yes. which interests me, you know. Yes. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that disconnect is man made. I, I, I think the uh, science fits in very well under the uh, under the auspices of God. Right. Uh, the whole scientific method and science started with Christians, yes, whether, whether right. it was Newton, the Judeo-Christian faith yeah, was the yeah. reason we had uh, science. Yeah. Uh, multiple cultures have looked at uh, science, bits and pieces of science, but technology never took off the way it did uh, with the Judeo-Christian uh, background. And, and part of the reason, and Dr. Stephen Meyer talks about this beautifully, is because they were looking, they understood, you know, Gutenberg had just printed the Bibles and they were, they understood that God was intelligent. He had created, uh, you know, the world and life intelligently. Mm -hmm. So they were looking for signs of an intelligent God. So they expected intelligence in all that they studied. Yes. Right. Yes. But being Christians, they also knew that while we had the intelligence to understand things in the, in nature, we were also flawed and we would make mistakes usually because of our sinful nature. And so they needed a scientific method, which was independent of the scientists mm -hmm. and other people could reproduce the same experiments and so on, you sure. know? Yeah. So that laid the foundation for science. So actually one danger we face in today's society is when you have a lot of people who are scientists, but who do not uh, know God, right? Mm -hmm. You run this risk of saying, uh, are they chasing the truth or are they chasing uh, grants? Are they chasing publications? Yeah. If they had to lie or fudge their data in order to get the publication, would they do that? Okay. Yeah. Well, one hopes they don't, but I'm very curious to know why they wouldn't. Because if you don't have uh, Jesus as the truth and, and God as a foundation, why would yeah. you not lie? Right. It's very hard to answer that question. Why they tell the truth. That, that's powerful. That is good. It, it makes me think of an analogy there, you know, the, the political system in our America today is just at odds. I mean, the conflict is incredible. Right. Because they're seeking power for them or power for them. We want to be in charge. We want to be in charge. We're, right. well, rather than our ultimate goal is we're, in, we're one nation under God, indivisible. Right. And we're going right. to work together. We, we can disagree, but we don't need to be disagreeable. Right. And, right. you know, we can make our arguments and then we vote and, and the majority then wins. And we say, OK, we didn't win that that thing, but let's work together anyhow. Right. It's, it's a similar thought is that we're not working for us. We're working for the truth. We're working right. for ultimate you know, blessing for many. Right. And uh, so that's really powerful. I like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and you know, when we talk about the truth, Jesus said, I am the truth, right? Yes. So I think whether we perceive truth to engineering or science or could be music or any of these things, eventually I do think it leads people to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Because beyond behind the truth of engineering, if I actually pause to say, why do I expect engineering to be consistent? Why are there laws of yeah. nature? Yeah, right. That's right. Then I had to say there's some intelligence behind this, right? So you can in, infer infer God. So I, so those who are scientifically minded, I, I'm not sure always the local church gives them um, the spiritual food which helps them grow in both these areas. And so if they get scientific, often they move away from the church. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, they are uh, work very closely together, and people should pursue the truth and uh, not get pushed off by minor explanations it's a chase it and they'll get be stronger in their faith for having questioned some things and uh, yes. understood things you know i love that and the truth sets us free so good good stuff ganesh thank, thank you. you thank How about you closing us in prayer yes am i closing yes please okay Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together in fellowship mm-hmm. and to be able to glorify you with our lives. We know what lies ahead of us is uh, in your hands. And we ask that you use us mightily and uh, to uh, touch the people around us uh, so we can live a life of purpose and impact, mm-hmm. uh, impact which lasts eternally and grows your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Uh, if uh, I just want to tell you, I have a website called letmeintoheaven.com. So anyone who wants to connect or uh, talk, uh, feel free to visit my website. And, uh, and repeat uh, it again. Repeat the, the website again. It's letmeintoheaven.com. Let, let me okay. One word, letmeintoheaven.com. Sounds Correct. Correct. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time and thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.